I wanna fall off my bike today. I wanna fall off my bike today. Welcome. This is episode three of the Cambridge Endurance Sports Podcast. Have we got a treat for you today because today we're talking to Jonathan Escalante Phillips or Jep as he's better known. So Kep, the Cambridge Endurance Sports Podcast is meeting Jep. If you don't know who he is, let me tell you, he is the winner of this year's, yes, the 2020 edition. We did get a race in of the Cambridge Half Marathon. He did it in a record time. He's a wonderful runner and a wonderful bloke and you can get a lot from this interview. If you like it, please subscribe, rate us on iTunes, visit our social media, more about that later. Just connect and do suggest guests, contribute in some way so we can get some feedback on this new podcast. So for now, relax or keep on running, keep on riding and enjoy listening as Kep meets Jet. Oh dear, no, hold on a minute, we've had a phone call again, it's that Ron again, that Ron turning. <sighs> yeah, too right, it's me, Ron, Ron turning here, yeah, it's me alright, and I'm furious today. I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why, I was playing golf this morning, that's a proper sport by the way, golf. You actually need a bit of skill to do it, not just putting one bleeding foot in front of the other. Anyway, there I am today, in the rough, yes, it happens, it happens, I'm in the rough, I've pulled the club up, ready to hit the ball, and this thing appears out of the blinking bushes. It's got pink socks on and these flimsy little shorts. It's not even a bird, it's a fella. Some lanky streak of piss. You're all lanky streaks of piss. You have to stand twice to make a shadow most of you. Why don't you have a proper meal? Get some meat on you. Or wear some, at least wear some clothing that makes you look like you've got a bit of meat on you. It's ridiculous. I'm furious with you runners. You put me off my stroke. I lost the game and I'm still furious now. In fact, I'm boiling over. I'm going to put the phone down because I'm so furious. I'm going to put the phone down. Here, Trace, you been at my fags? Okay, so here I am with Jonathan Escalante Phillips, or Jep, as he's known and loved by many in the Cambridge area. He's the current Cambridge Half Marathon champion. He's got some fantastic race results and personal best to tell you about in due course. Um, I think we'll start with that half marathon, which you won last year. And uh, most people probably think it was a relatively comfortable victory, that you were on your own at the front, cruising to victory. But uh, you actually had someone right next to you and in front of you for all, the whole race until the finish line, didn't you? You beat me to it. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Um, it was... I, I was trying to think after the race what, what made it made it a good race because actually you know in a sense as you say Ben it was a bit of a time trial kind of in the sense of in terms of running competitors I didn't have anyone there right with me the whole way um I actually had it was great having Chris Darling on that first K because he literally called out the first split I wasn't wearing my watch um, which I tend not to do now for races and um as we went through the K as he always does he calls out the splits and it's like 306 or 305 or whatever it was. Brilliant. I was like, okay, that's not stupid. Quite, you know, borderline, bit too fast. But, I, you know, of course, once you're in racing mode, you can't think through very hard. But basically, I was by myself. So I was trying to think back on when I was thinking back about the race. I what? Because it was, you know, I did a half marathon a couple of months ago in Ireland, which is sort of a big, big half marathon, you know, 
place actually 20 something you know mo and so on you might want to come and talk about that later mm. but you know sort of objectively that should have been a really fast race and i should have been able to run even faster and i didn't and the cambridge half is still my pb so i was thinking about what made it such a good run given that i didn't have somebody to run with the whole way and actually being able to run at your own pace and being able to make that mental adjustment while still having somebody that in front of you that is kind of adjusting for you but still in front of you so it's not it's not a competitive a competitor who's in front of you who you know you're trying to mentally think oh they're going to make a move do i need to keep up with them but having you there on the bike in front of me so like the incentive to keep going faster but not like I knew that you weren't suddenly going to bomb off and leave me for dust because you were there to help me as lead bike. And I think that really does make a big difference. I think back to my first half marathon I ever did, which is the Bulldog half. Um, yeah, I've done that. How many years ago was that? That must be getting on for almost 10 years now. And um, I hadn't run even remotely close to a half distance before. And it was a super hilly course. Yeah. And, and obviously it was a lot slower. But I remember finishing it and feeling really pleased. And I think one of the big reasons was I had a lead bike there at the front. And it's, I think people sort of underestimate how much that really makes a big difference. Yeah. That's really kind. That's really kind. Can you just remind our listeners what your time was uh, at Cambridge, just so we can shock them all? I think it was one hour, five minutes, 36 seconds. Brilliant. And yeah. And do you think that compares well with your. 5k pbs tell us what your 5k pb is i think for the listeners just to get an idea if i'm right you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think for your 5k you're roughly doing 67 laps of the track so 67 seconds for each lap of the track um so if they want to go and have a go at just doing one lap of that they can get an idea of how fast you are so yeah tell us what your 5k pb is and how you think that compares in terms of optimizing performance to how you're doing in the 105 half marathon stakes so 14.03 is my uh, road time um and you know i'm pretty confident that that 5k that i did um which was actually one of the ones during this covid year um is it was a proper course but you know there's always purely because it's road everyone always there's a slight question mark sure over road courses um and my track time which is now dating back a few years um is 14 11 right quite close um, isn't it so it's not too not too too far off um yeah so so which are you most proud of um i i think i think it would have to be the 14 11 because i it was such a an exciting i mean both were really exciting races my 1403 this year was really exciting because it was the first race after such a long time and it was um and obviously it was, i was pleased with the result even though i didn't quite broken 14 but my 1411 was a couple of years back now so i hadn't i hadn't had that it, that was a big breakthrough for me my previous pb was 1435 which to some people might not sound like a big difference but so when you get to that point and you're taking 24 seconds off it it feels like a big deal yeah and six also, seconds a kilometer well yeah five five seconds a kilometer yeah yeah and it was it was just such an exciting race with um you know i, I ran probably you know I, I had the best sort of sprint finish i've had in a race where i sort of i really piled it on with this kind of 600 to go and the guy i was running with had a really good finish as well so sort of you know it was, it was just a really good battle brilliant and, 
Um, I did actually win that race, which obviously feels a bit sort of special as well. Um, so I think I think I that one still is sort of the one I'm I'm most proud of, um, and is yeah. sort of the definite legit one as well. Which yeah, I but, but I mean, so you're even more proud of that than the half marathon as well. Oh, oh, comparing the half. And yeah, the I meant both, both. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is so. I mean, I mean, I think I think the half one is 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 definitely more special. Partly because it was on home turf. Um, Excellent. Jonathan's and, a Cambridge boy. <laughs> yeah. We'll come on to that. And, and and also, it was the first time I'd run it. Um, and I'd, I'd had a place, as you know, um, several yeah, for a number of years. Uh, not every single time, but for a number of years, I'd had a place. Um, and then it had either been, you know, I'd either had a, an injury or um, uh, the, you know something came up with the family or whatever, and I just hadn't been able to run it. Um, so it was so nice this year, like the one year I was actually able to do it, and only just with, every, with all the restrictions coming in, and yeah. then to actually win it, and in a time that was a massive PB. Yeah, that meant that meant such a lot. Yeah, for the listeners, so anyone who's listening to this, maybe in a year or two's time, we had the Cambridge Half Marathon. Um, I think a week before all running events were were stopped because of the COVID outbreak. Now we, we've got a friend in common called Giacomo. Um, Italian man, he's currently in Italy, and I told him I was interviewing you this morning, and uh, so he, he sent me a question, I'm, I was sure it was going to be something about a PB or something, but it's actually quite um, a physiological question, really. His question is, uh, how come you run so fast with only two legs? Can you give a, can you give a scientific answer? <laughs> <laughs> well, you make the most of those legs because you wear short shorts. That that's true. You have to optimize, um, even if yeah. I always when I when I put on my my slightly garish short shorts, I always say you know if you can't if you can't impress with the legs, um, at least you can impress with the shorts on the rest <laughs> day. Um, yeah. Oh gosh, how do you run so fast on two legs? Um, I mean, it's. That is one of the beauties with running, is that on the whole, for most people, it is what you, you know, the classic, what you put in, what you get out, but mm. also what you put in over, I would, I would sort of, um, sort of slightly caveat that by saying, it's what you put in over a substantial period of time. Yeah. You know, running isn't one of those things where if you put in a couple of good sessions, you'll suddenly run a massive PB, or if you have a good year of training, that you'll necessarily have a great race. Yeah, um, it's it's sort of the one that really pays more and more um, the longer that you're um, able to be sensible and be able to put in it the right kind of smart training. Yeah, I think that's um, probably the more that's more true. The higher your level as well, isn't it? The uh, the better you yes. are, the more the consistency and length of period of time of good training counts. Yes, I think yes, and sort of getting those smaller things because as you get the higher the level you get, the, the more smaller things can really play to your advantage or disadvantage, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll, um, come on to, we'll come on to the details of training very shortly. Uh, just before we do, I mean, we've heard how brilliant a runner you are, but uh, you're actually not as good as your mum, are you? <laughs> yeah, she's, she's the... Uh, <laughs> Tell us about her. Yeah, well, I mean, the amazing thing about my mum is that she did no real running at all 
after primary school. Um, right. Uh, when I sort of dug a bit deeper and said, oh, oh come on, Mum, what, what, what did you do in your 20s and 30s? And, and, and she's always been relatively sporty. She played squash. Um, she played a lot of table tennis at university and things like that. But she didn't, she didn't go for runs. She didn't sort of, that was not on the radar at all. She's always enjoyed walking and things like that and generally taking part in stuff. Um, but running has never really been on her radar until she got fed up after a couple of years of taxiing me to and from races <laughs> and standing around in the wet and cold. Um, and she decided to give it a go. And a few years later, she won European gold um, at 3K indoors for the Masters event. Wow. So, yeah. You know, so tell us, tell us about her. Cause she, how, do you mind saying how old she is? So my mother is in her mid sixties. Yeah. And, and what, because we have these things called um, age grading in running, don't we? And uh, she's managed, I mean, I think the highest I've ever got is an 86 or maybe an 187. I don't know what you've managed. If you ever look at that, you're a youngster, maybe you don't look at that so much. But uh, I, I, we, we did. I mean, unfortunately, my mother's sort of, for the last four, almost five years now, has not been able to string together some consistent training. I mean, she's, I mean, she's, I'm so impressed with what she continues to do even over at the moment when she's pretty much keeping to herself and, and, and not sort of getting out and about, she's still putting in the training. She, she logs into these Zoom calls and so on. But when, when we were competing, uh, when we were both competing, um, we, would, we would compare our, our WABA scores. Um, well, at least she would, because she, she would consistently beat me on that front. Um, I should have had a look, actually. Uh, maybe it's something uh, I can have a look at uh, later if we have a quick pause, because um, I think it is pretty close on... I haven't looked at my most recent ones, but I'm pretty sure she tipped over the 90%. Mark. Yeah, I'm sure she did. I think um, I've seen that even for her park runs. Yeah, um, and I think my 1403 gets close. Yeah. I so think what, it gets close, you, but I still don't think it's right there. Do you know off the top of your head what her 5K best time is, roughly? And that's as a mid-60s woman, or yeah. was that earlier? That was, so she would have been early 60s. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? That is amazing as well. Okay, right. So let's get back to you then. Um, as I said before, you're you a Cambridge lad. I think you went to Parkside Community College, where I have the misfortune, I mean the pleasure to teach at the moment. Um, and uh, was that where your love of running was kindled, or does it go back even further than that? school I I had a couple of years over in Australia living in Australia for six months on and off and whilst I was out there there was cross-country in primary school so years what years would that have been years five and six I competed in the cross-country both those years and in the first year in year five I think I came in the class of you know there would have been I guess 16 17 boys in the class and I came ninth or tenth, I think. Okay. Um, and there was um, there was a chap in that in that uh, in the class that um, we, we clashed a bit. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and and he he won that race. Um, so that was I felt pretty down about that, and I sort of told myself I really wanted to try and beat him in the next year, in next year's cross country race. And so my mother and I um, 
I, so I guess in that that year she did do a bit of training because ah. she did. She well, she did actually she sort of combined walking and running, but she, we'd have this little circuit which must have been about a kilometer, I think. And she'd have a sort of thirty-second minute head start, and then I'd run and try and catch her up. And we did that a couple of days a week, doing this one k circuit. Mm. And uh, the next year, uh, I didn't win, but I, I just some other guy won the race, um, and I just picked this guy that had won the previous year. I came second, and he came third. So I guess that was my first taste of putting in some training and getting something out of it. So I would have been what ten then, ten eleven. Right, and then I didn't really run at all again until I was seventeen. Oh, uh, so my so last year at sixth form was that a Parkside? Uh, was that somewhere else? That was at Impington. Okay. Um, I remember actually. Uh, I was at Parkside, and I I remember there was a uh, there was a sports day, and they picked a couple of people for each event. And I remember not getting picked for the 1500s. We did like a little time trial on the grass. Um, and I remember I didn't get picked for any event. Shocking. Um, on, the, on the sports event in year 11. <laughs> that was a bit of a like, oh. Um, and so it was really when I was 17. And, and what really triggered it all was my uncle, who uh, lives in Australia. Uh-huh. He came over um, as as some of our family in Australia do from time to time as a sort of, you know, a chance to explore Europe and they'd come and visit us. And he came and um, stayed with us for a fairly long period of time, a couple of months. And he sort of, at that point, I'd been playing a little bit of football previously mm-hmm. and I'd sort of fallen out of love with the football. I hadn't had just various reasons. Mm. You're too skinny for football. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, no, I, was, I was huge back then. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, we can talk about we can talk about my extra large biceps later. Okay, uh, I've, got funny, I've got a funny story for that. Okay, um, remind me. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I wasn't playing any sport at all, and my uncle came over, and he's he's been he'd been a runner at that point for for a bit of time. He'd run a sort of he'd run a sub three hour marathon. And he'd been a serious you know as a as a as you know, and that was in his you know later on in life that he'd run that so he was, he was a serious runner and he saw me sort of sitting on the couch not doing much um, and he would always get up in the morning and go for a run so one morning he finished his run and he's like right Jonathan come on you need to get get out of the sofa and get out the door and so I did I think he even gave me there's this loop around our house which is just under 5k and he's like right I think you should be able to do that in 18 minutes it's mm. uh, so like 4.8k so I was like okay so I ran out I came back and he's like what time's you doing it was like 24 <laughs> <laughs> uh, just under 25 minutes and he was like right we need some work um, and so that year although I can't remember how long he was there but it was a fairly long time and just before he left we did the Roxham 5k up okay. in Norfolk yeah. uh, and then the, the Norfolk uh, the Norwich AC guys do that, and it's quite a big race. Yeah, and um, we we raced that, and I uh, and I took a big chunk off my pee. I ran nineteen oh one. Okay, we're getting there. Just, just pit my uncle. He was he, he tells the story how he was in front the whole way, and the last two hundred meters, he hears this guy coming down, you know, running him down, and he thinks, oh, it must be one of the other guys.
organize my category trying to beat me to it but it was me um so Brilliant. yeah that's what got me started my uncle and, and then you obviously fell in love with the sport at that point did you and yeah. just joined did you was it then that you joined cnc cambridge and coleridge i can't remember the exact sequence of events but there was coming along to cnc and starting doing parkrun both mm. were at a very similar point in time i think i started at parkrun first and really I think maybe i think because i can remember racing you in frostbite league races and i I would have said off the top of my head that they were before Park Run came into existence, but maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I mean, uh, as in the Frostbite had definitely been going before Park Run. I think it was John Arth, um who pointed me in the direction of, of, of that the, there were clubs around. I, my memory does get hazy then. I should, yeah. I should look back at my, yeah. at my training diaries and and see which what came first. But anyway, they were both very similar. Yeah. Um, I know my first race for CNC was um, I took a called up at the last minute by Simon Brightwell. Um, mm. He saw me at the track finishing a uh, a slightly enthusiastic two hundred. <laughs> um, oh, you look like you got some legs on you. Let's let's get you in for this charity fire team. We're missing somebody mm. for that. Um, and, I'm, and I'll tell you who was in that. I'll tell you who was on that team. Bob Watson. Okay, who's a guest in episode two. This, thank you for doing a plug there. Well done. Um, so Bob Watson was in that team and he absolutely trounced me in terms of time on that. Um, <laughs> was, yeah, he was minutes ahead of me at that chariot of fire. I remember that. Um, in fact, he was minutes ahead of me for a very, very long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how old were you then? How old were you then, roughly? I mean, all of, I think I must have then been 18. So that yeah. must have, I think I started running in the wind, that winter when I was 17. Yeah. And then sort of, yeah, sort of, that would have been sort of nine, ten months later. And where, where did you go to uni? I was at Warwick. Warwick, Warwick cool. Uni. And did you enjoy running there? I did, yeah. yeah I had a, the, the running club there was fantastic. Um, I, I did... Partly because of where I was living as well, I also did a fair bit of training with Coventry Godiver. Yep, big club, yeah. Um, but I was, yeah, heavily involved with the athletics club there. Um, still in touch with the guys uh, from there. We'd go back to the alumni race and, hmm. uh, yeah, had a great time. Made, made lots of, lot, lots of my, most of my really good friends um, from uni were through either the Tri Club or the running club and the tri club in particular because I had quite a number of injuries when I was there I think it was I was at the point where I was getting really enthusiastic and seeing people doing huge mileage and thinking you had to do that right then to 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 be that good and so of course inevitably ended up with Achilles in particular and so joined a did a lot of stuff with the tri club lots of core and spin sessions right um, which was really helpful to to allow me to see that that was a, a doable thing as a runner right um, do you do do you do a lot of cross training now still maybe you can link this to the, telling us about your biceps as well <laughs> uh, no uh well certainly over uh over the first lockdown um i sort of, sort of really put that in practice i've never really been a cyclist at all but um i got myself a proper a proper turbo trainer 
um, um, especially when we're only allowed out once. In fact, I was, you know, over lockdown, I was um, not injured. I was still running, but only, you know, I was trying to stick as much as I could to regulations and doing one run a day. So I was using the, the turbo trainer pretty regularly, almost, well, not quite every day, but almost every day is a kind of double. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and certainly, I mean, I, I was consistently doing the circuits and stuff at uni, um, even when I was, well, the athletics club had a circuit session as well. And I and, and that's something that I've carried through, at least to some extent. I think we're, I think every runner, unless they're ridiculously disciplined, sort of goes a little bit in waves with keeping up their circuits sure. and things. But I'm, I'm pretty consistent. I'll definitely do at least one really good circuit session a week. Hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes more than that. Right, and that's general body conditioning, not just legs. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah sort of, um, so I, I, I generally split up. I'll do roughly, very roughly, um, you know, obviously it depends, but roughly 30 minutes, and it'll be roughly 10 minutes of core, roughly 10 minutes for arm shoulders, roughly 10 minutes of legs. Okay, and so come on, the biceps, we want to know now. What's the story? Oh, yeah, well. Well, the funny I could thing all... is, yeah. <laughs> in my race, uh, the half marathon I did this year, I, I had my arm sleeves, which I wear not for warmth, really. I just feel as though they somehow, in terms of my form, yeah. my form, whatever reason. It's I interesting how sort of compression can give you the feeling of being more efficient, more in tune with yourself sometimes. Yeah, I think it's something about... Um, I think you know because it is compression. When you when you perhaps over stretch something that shouldn't be stretched, you notice it mm, more, and therefore you kind of feel more like you want to be a little bit more robotic. That makes it sound negative. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I think you're right. Efficient. Anyway, I, I wore them in that race and actually got a bit. They did actually warm me up a bit too much. So, so as we went past the halfway point, I, I whipped them off and chucked them down. And couldn't find them after the race. So I was in need of a new pair of arm warmers. Um, and so a month or so ago, I was having a look at the various ones. And, you know, you're looking at the sizing and you have to, you have to measure the biceps. <laughs> and I was rather depressed to find that I was on the borderline between small and extra small. Hey. <laughs> so I got my extra small ones. And um, I tried them the other day. And my goodness, they're... Too, they are too tight, so I'm, I'm, mm. I'm definitely extra large. So, I mean, I literally could feel the blood circulation being cut off. What he's not telling you is that this this was extra small for junior size. Yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was interesting there as well when you're talking about university days and chariots of fire as well, because you've always had, um, or it seems to me, you've always been into the team side of things and the relays and things like that. You love that side of the sport, which many runners don't really indulging at all they see it as a very individual thing but i think for you you've always really got into the team aspect is that true absolutely i think yeah i think i think actually some of my most impressive runs um have been actually in a relay format yeah. which you know some people might be and i guess in some sense i'm a bit sort of not gutted but you know it, it, no one cares that you've run whatever it is 26 minutes for an 8.896 kilometer <laughs> leg uh, at the National Road Relays or whatever it is. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything because it's not a set distance. Sure. Um, but I think there's something about not not letting your teammates down, especially people that you've sort of run and trained with consistently and, 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 and there's been a real feeling in the club that we've been um, 
CNC that we've really been consistently massively improving on the on the, the road relay front. So we're talking about relay legs here. People who are listening are sort of um, five to eight kilometer legs. So it's not your typical sprint relay. No. Um, you know, we, we've gone from not even making the national um, competition to uh, we won a silver medal as a team at the cross country champs. Um, and we've won a and we've won a bronze um, over the last couple of years. You know, whereas previously we weren't even getting into the top seventy five. Yeah, um, and you've you've and played a role in sort of coordinating that as well, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Um, I can remember. Um, I mean, you know, we certainly wouldn't do this do this now. Um, but I can remember very naively back in the day. Uh, we we got a team together uh, for the for the twelve stage, and I had, didn't really know the rules and regulations of how you know you know how important it is to make sure everyone's EA affiliated and and everything. We've got a team together, and um, and then we had two injuries the night before oh. um, for our national uh, relay leg. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? You know, we've we've made it through the nationals. Um, with two people off, and I just t- rocked up to Parkrun on the day, oh, yeah. <laughs> the morning of the race, got permission from the run director to stand at the front of, of Parkrun and just said, does anyone want to run <laughs> at the National Road Relays today because we're too short? <laughs> and two people did. Um, in fact, two rather fast guys, Maz Fruzzi. I know, uh, well, yes, yeah, good friend, and, yeah. Um, and Graham Rush. Right, also, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And they just rocked up and, and, and ran. Um, you know, and we, we were, you know, the team was still a very, very, you know, botched together team and, and, and we didn't place anywhere. You know, we were 60th or something. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, yeah. I, anyway, I have, I, I've been coordinating the relays for a number of years. Yeah. We really are talking about a Cambridge and Coleridge phenomenon now, aren't we? I mean, you could you could argue that we are or we I say we Cambridge and Coleridge is one of the top three clubs in the country even couldn't you would that be a fair comment yeah I mean and what how do you explain that um well I mean there's been certainly I think some of these things you know just sort of evolve evolve um but there's been just I mean a a, a huge number of people that have given up a, a huge amount of time um, and effort to to facilitate and encourage, um, and there's there's so many, and I, I feel almost reticent about naming names because no, there's no. people out there. But the obvious, I mean, Mark Vile and his and his wife Joe, um, the Parks, Rick and Ollie Park. The amount of time um, I know that both of them and, and Rick, in particular, with the juniors, sort of just huge amounts of time that they give up. Sure. Um, not just on normal training days, but you know on Mondays and and huge behind the scenes stuff, just to make sure that you know you know that they they make sure that people had entered stuff and and were consistently coming along. So you know encourage, encouraging them, but also reminding them to compete and 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 stay active in the sport. Um, and then you know and then there's people who sort of just. Uh, that I've have less to do with now, but I know there's so many people on in in um, with the other group. I mean, and, and and I say I'm definitely missing out names here, but you know Chris Herkham, Sarah Whiteman, um, Richard Lyle, um, Tim Phipps. Um, 
I mean, there's a whole host of people that have just consistently given up their time to allow yeah. there to be a session that somebody sure. that, that where somebody's running things. And I think by facilitating things, even if you don't have you know the amazing runners to start with, if you facilitate a big base, inevitably from that big base, you will get more. You know, um, yeah. high runners. And of course, um, success is self-perpetuating, isn't it? So once it starts, feeds both from the bottom up, which is perhaps what you're talking about, and also from the top down. So with people like yourself and others who are at the top end, that's inspired other great runners to join the club, take part in the same sessions. And this is a the opposite of a vicious circle. What's it called? A positive circle. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and you're absolutely right that that happens, but. Um, I think, yeah, that, that, uh, that would never happen. You know, there's got to be something to spark it off. Mm-hmm. And you're more, much more likely to spark something off if you've got that um, grassroots, grassroots yeah. base. But you're absolutely right. People like um, when Jack Gray came over from Birmingham and joined the club. I mean, that was just... that At that point, that was probably the biggest... One of the biggest sort of things that helped me improve because... I went from, you know, not being there, I wouldn't necessarily always be at the front at that point because there'd be, you know, I'd be, you know, there'd be juniors whizzing past me on two and three hundreds and there'd be Chris Darling transiting me <laughs> on, a, on a tempo run or whatever. But, you know, I quite often find myself near to the front and then suddenly Jack came along and I was like, ah, you know, I was suddenly 100 metres behind him on, on whatever mm. K rep and, and, and suddenly sort of your eyes are open to, my goodness, this is the level uh, which mm. you need to sort of raise yourself up to so yeah there's been so many different things you know good runners joining consistent groups training together um and people giving up their time to help help others yeah. be able to run. um and, you know i certainly wasn't somebody who stuck as you know my that first 5k that i ran around that my uncle did you know i was essentially a 25 minute 5k runner um you know, yeah yeah so when so when do you, well it's obviously been in recent years that you've perhaps made your most noticeable leaps forward in form. So let's get into now what you think you've done that has caused this in you going from a good runner to a brilliant runner, or in terms of a good let's say from a good club level runner to a national level runner. What's made that happen? Is it the training group? Is it the type of training? Tell us, let's go into a bit of detail here and let all these club runners who want to be, who are maybe 17, 18, 19 minute 5K runners who want to get under 16, what have they got to do to copy the JEP model? Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to matching your motivation mm-hmm. to do something with the opportunities that are that are there as uh-huh. well. So, you know, I think you can you can see people doing, you know, running incredible times or doing incredible sessions. But if you don't have some kind of fundamental motivation for yeah. doing that kind of training and or you know leading that kind of life or matching that with what your current life circumstances are if you try and force something too much, eventually it's going to play against you. Sure. What was your motivation then? So, I think I, I've been I've been motivated to, to train hard, um, but I've also been 
motivated to, you know, see a bit of perspective as well. Um, so, and I think I've learned. I think that's something that I've learned um, more over time. I think, I think a lot of people have said that I probably could have improved a fair bit quicker, possibly. Um, um, you know, because essentially, you know, I've been running now for what is it, eleven years, mm-hmm. and I think some people think I probably could have perhaps got to a, a position where I was running. S- some quicker times in a shorter period of time because I was too enthusiastic right. um, in some areas, you know, sort of wanting to run the hundred mile weeks and, and then and then injuring myself and so on. So I think I think sort of behind every success, if you want to call it, that I've got you know successful points that I've got to so far are definitely some po- things that I've sort of learned learned from, and it hasn't been just like oh, you know, just got better and better so I've been motivated to train hard and I've had the sort of opportunity to be able to do that and you know and that and that you know and I think that you know for different people that will work differently but you know I, I haven't had multiple other things that I've been involved with so I've been able to devote some time to that you know it's not like I've had sort of multiple other sports that I've been bouncing I enjoy playing other sports and I still will play a bit badminton or table tennis or football um when I can but I've sort of sort of recognized that if you there's there's having the motivation and then and there's realizing the practicalities of life fitting that motivation within the practicalities of life and I think I've been able to do that and I've been lucky I've been lucky to have that situation where I can do that so you know I've been I've been motivated to generally train hard. I've had the position at various points in my life where I've been able to do that. But I've also sort of made little small savvy choices about how to facilitate that. So, for example, at university, um, I had a relatively demanding course I was doing. My course was economics, politics and international relations. So I had a lot of contact time. I was also studying some Arabic. Mm. Um, I was... um, I was on the organising board of a couple of charity things. So I actually did have quite a bit going on and I had to sort of work out ways of fitting it in. Now, I wasn't going out partying every night, so that was kind of a decision that I made and also my group of friends weren't necessarily doing that, so that was easy. That makes me sound a bit sad. (laughs) That was it. Um, But also, you know, I still was time limited and one of the things I did was I specifically chose where I was living in second and third year so that it was a three-mile commute each way. Excellent. So I would just... And it was a bit of an ongoing joke with my housemates because the, the bus to the campus was an absolute massive roundabout route, so I would actually quite often you beat them. Beat the bus. Beat the campus. When, yeah. you know, I'd head off, they'd be standing at the bus stop, and I'd sort of see them as they got off the bus kind of thing. Yeah, it sounds like a YouTube video in the making there. Yeah, go on. Yeah, a bit like <laughs> getting on the train. Yeah, the uh, Noel Carroll did it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I sort of clock off, clock off, um, three miles each way, just like that, um, without even thinking about it. And when I did my teacher training, um, you know, talking of sort of people that facilitated stuff, Mm. um, the coordinator for my, my course when I was studying, um, there was a, (laughs) it's quite funny when, when you were applying, um, and they put 
put you in different, they allocate you different schools to yep. do your training. And they ask you to fill out a bunch of things like, you know, do you have any dependents? Do you have a car? What kind of things will limit where you can go for your training? Yep. And, you know, I didn't have any dependents. I didn't have a car, blah, blah, blah. And then there was one other little um, sort of criteria, uh, or sorry, box, other. And I just put, would prefer a school that is uh, a sort of four to six mile radius of Cambridge. <laughs> and and I, I, you know, I, um, after my training, I sort of spoke to, spoke to my coordinator and he said he, he actually had to rejig everyone else's placements to just so I could have two placements that did that. So it's small things like that. that um, and so I, you know, I trained at Bottisham and Campbell, which were both bang on 10K from where I was living. Brilliant. So I sort of got 12, 13 miles in every day just from commuting. Mm. And that, you know, your teacher training year is bloody hard. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. It, it's a real tough old year. Um, so that was, you know, that was A, me being savvy about it and, and people allowing me to facilitate that. So, right, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's interesting you've chosen to talk about um, quite general things in the sense of circumstances and creating the environment in which you can train hard in order to improve. Um, so the, what does the hard training itself consist of then? Would you, would you say that if anyone, for example, just ups their volume and has a 10k commute every day, if they're moving from, say, a 40 mile a week training schedule to a 60 or 70 mile a week training schedule is that necessarily going to improve them or have you found that other things like training with very fast people or doing track work or things like that have been just as important or more important let's just have a we know we know we mustn't overdo things we know going too hard too soon is wrong but in terms of your experience are there any specific training interventions if you like beyond just consistency and a decent amount of volume that you would point everyone in the direction of in order to improve. I um, so I I think I've got some sort of really just these last couple of weeks of highlight a couple of things that I've really noticed about training, and these are things I've noticed over the years, but I just because they're recent, I yeah. think of them really clearly. So um, a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago, I um, I had a session by myself um, and. I was struck by, I was giving it a good good old go, but I wasn't even able to run my half marathon pace. The session was um, seven minutes, six minutes, five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes, one minute with 90 seconds recovery. So okay. a bit of recovery, you know, not, not nothing. Um, and I wasn't even able to hit my half marathon pace for any of them apart from the one minute rep at the end. Right. Um, and... And yet, I you know I I can remember a session that I did um, a couple of months ago when I was running with the group, um, and we were doing three mile, two mile, one mile, sure. <laughs> so much longer reps. Yeah. Um, and the three mile was consistently under half mile, half marathon pace. Yeah. And, felt, and and it wasn't like the one I did by myself. I was feeling all sort of tired, and you know I would say in both those cases I was feeling up for it up for the session mm-hmm. and, and and that sort of just absolutely highlighted to me the fact that when you're when you're running with people that and it and it you've got to get lucky in a sense or you've got to 
judge it or whatever, you've got to have a group where you've got people that are just that bit better than you. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? And, and sort of, and, and you know, there's no point in me going and having a training session with Mo Farah. <laughs> Unless I'm joining in for half of this session or whatever, you know, you can make yeah. loads of caveats. But you've got to have people that are, you've got to have enough that, you know, you can sort of, you know, have people around you, you know, because some people might have a bad day or not be there or whatever. So you need a training group that's got enough people there and a couple of them that are just a little bit better than you, or at least on a, you know, are, are at the level where on some days they'll be a bit better than you and whatever, not, you don't, you don't ideally want to be the best in your group the yeah, whole time. True. Um, but, you know, likewise, you don't want people that are vastly superior to you because you're just going to conk out. Um, yeah. um, so, so yes, absolutely. A training group, I have massively found has, has helped, um, and 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 so an interesting point with with regards to when Jack joins, um, I can remember actually when he first joined and I was trying to so desperately keep up keep up with him and wasn't able to. I actually remember being not actually having many particularly good races in those first few months when Jack was there for for, for a while. And what I really remember clearly was there was a couple of sessions when I was running with Jack where I was I actually made, managed to stay with him for the session or you know even beat him on the odd rep or two. And I can remember, I mean, that was obviously indicated that I was getting into good shape. But I remember just because I was getting that much closer to his level, I was able to train that much harder because I was actually able to keep with him, not sort of keep with him for 100 metres and then drop off and sort of... Yeah. You know, you're able to keep up for the whole the whole set of reps, and after that, I had a couple of really really good race results. So mm. that was that was something. Yeah. Um, so yes, absolutely, groups so important, um, and we haven't even talked about the sort of social side of things. You know, the right. motivation, somebody being there, um, and, yeah. and having somebody. I think there's probably two different types of groups. Actually, there's there's having a group to do sessions with. Mm-hmm. But I think another massive thing for me, um, well, actually, I think I'm, I think I'm over exaggerating this. I think yeah. I'm pretty motivated to get out there and do my own runs. But in terms of actually really enjoying running, I, I do enjoy going for runs by myself, absolutely. But I also definitely get loads out of having a nice social chat with yeah. people. And that's run. vital for longevity in a career, I think, in a running career, yeah. isn't it? And I've yeah. just got, you know, I'm just so lucky that. I can, you know, I've got sort of potentially 30, 40 people in Cambridge that I could just drop a line and be like, fancy meeting for a morning run? Yeah. And, you know, I could absolutely guarantee that if I want, if I was desperate enough to, that I could find somebody to run with me any morning of the week and, and, and somebody would be hopefully happy to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, of course, that- I, I know you do a lot of uh, different types of runs. You'll do some very easy runs. You'll do some track sessions presumably you'll do hill work interval work you'll mix all that up um any particular favorites let's have a favorite jep session oh i'll tell you i have a, I have a favorite it's not it's not it's my my own session and it's probably um probably because of the circumstance in which i did it um and 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 all my um all my peers at university thought i was really sad but when I finished my last exam uh-huh. uh, at university, <laughs> it was a lovely sunny June afternoon, and I went off to the, 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 the nearby playing fields, and I did a session which I 
Um, it was quite a big session, and I, I did it relatively well, so I was quite pleased. But it was a really nice mix, actually. And I think sometimes the best... Some, sometimes the best big sessions, I think, have a mix, a little bit of a mix. Um, so I've got kind of two favourites. This type of session, which was, um, I did uh, two by a K off a minute, and then I did six by um, 200 metre hill sprints. Okay. And then I did all of that times three. For any swimmers um, listening, when Jonathan says off a minute, he means with a minute recovery afterwards. I've had a go at him about this before. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't do them in a minute. <laughs> I've got yet. <laughs> um, yeah that sounds a nice session yeah you do I've noticed you mix things up like you do you'll do a longish run and then strides at the end of it for example won't you that seems to be something you do yeah try and try and keep legs turning over yeah. um, so I'd say for the long you know, that's a relatively long interval session because that would be um, you're looking there at almost 10k worth of reps um, in a session like that Mm. Um, but I think nothing nothing beats, and then this comes on to the five, one of the things you mentioned, something like um, a twelve by four hundred on the track. Right, classic. Something which isn't something which isn't you know huge. So you know you're looking at under five k of reps. You know, still a substantial session. It's not we're not we're talking endurance sessions here. Yeah. But um, but something where you can really get some pace up and you can sort of just about manage it and you're really you're really having to hang on for those last couple but you you're really you're really feeling the speed um and it's also something that's just such a good benchmark session there's something nice about doing a session where you especially when you're feeling relatively good that you can say okay this i'm going to see what i can do what can i average my 400s in for this yeah session? a good benchmark yeah you're right yeah so uh, i think those two you know i think for the big sessions it can be less useful to have some, you know, well, I, I find it harder to sort of juggle how good was that session. Okay. Um, the really big one. So mixing it up in that sense is quite good. Um, but I also do like doing those ones where you have a bit of a sort of, right, where am I at? Sure. I know you're very much a student of getting quite technical into how you taper for a race. I mean, I remember the half marathon two days before the half marathon you did this really structured session where you were in the marquee at the finish line of the Cambridge half marathon and you spent two hours running round tables stuffing goodie bags for me which is <laughs> very much appreciated so I recommend that to anyone who wants to win the Cambridge half marathon two days before spend a couple of hours stuffing goodie bags and Jonathan was literally jogging round as he was filling them he was breaking some records there as well uh, yeah. do, do, do you have a Genuinely, do you have a serious taper strategy or do you, do you think that you've got such a good level of fitness that you should be able to run fast whatever you do in the days leading up? No. I, I think one of the things I have learned that you don't want to place too much emphasis on any particular tapering strategy purely because, you know, the, the body is this amazing thing which is so varied in what it can do and, and, and how it can perform mm -hmm. um, and I think if one if one gets too too fixated on something being the absolute way of doing something um, you know that that you, you want to be sensitive to the body I think but mm. I, I, I guess there's a I, um, you know from, from the advice that I've had over the years from many different people there's a sort of you know a few sort of basic things um, 
and things that I've also learned for myself because I think some people... Yeah, everyone's yeah, different, yeah. Um, but what, what tends to work best for me is, yes, bringing down how much you're doing. Um, one of the things I've definitely learned more is um, almost for any distance, recognising that you need to have a fair... Start, start thinking about your taper further back than I'd previously thought. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd previously thought, actually, you know, if, if you're really wanting to absolutely hammer something, um, you know, really sort of thinking eight to ten days back, yeah. you know, not doing a massive session, even ten days prior, or even your longer runs, just thinking about bringing them down a bit. Um, maybe for a marathon, back. even earlier than that, maybe. With, absolutely, yeah. Sorry, I'm really talking about here half. Yeah, half yeah, now. yeah. Um, yeah, for 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 a marathon, you'd be probably. I would probably be thinking differently as well. Mm. But I I've definitely found that keeping the intensity, keeping a, a, a yeah. reasonable amount of intensity, being important. And um, a, a good friend of mine who, who who recently ran the Valencia. Marathon, um, Norman Shreve. Oh yeah, I must get him on the podcast at some point. Yeah, he ran two seventeen, and and um, being a doctor, of course, he, he read all the scientific literature on tapering for a marathon, um, and, and 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 that is the the consensus is that actually you want to maintain pretty much the same intensity with the volume just the volume yes. massively dropping. Yes. And my best example of that was um, it was in my year before my teacher training. So we're talking, oh, what, six, seven years ago, roughly. And I was doing a course at the Open University and I had an exam at the end of the week and I uh, knew I had to cram a fair bit. I'd been a little bit behind. And I, you know, mentally sort of felt like I didn't have much time for running. So I just went out each day and did 15 minutes quite hard. Right. I did a 15-minute hard run. Uh -huh. um, and at the end of that week, literally the day, uh, the afternoon after my exam, I had a 3K on the track. And I blitzed my PB by like 21 seconds or something. It was, Brilliant. And, you know, I had an insanely good run. And I think it was because my legs had been used to running at a decent pace but they hadn't been fatigued because they hadn't been you know i hadn't been you know, trying to run race pace for 15 minutes but i had been running relatively hard so the legs were used to turning over quickly but they weren't fatigued and so that general idea um and that and that generally you know will um, yeah that's right they say that is the you're right i think that is the the current thinking is reduce volume but maintain intensity and frequency in fact so yeah. yeah so yeah if you're you used to running six miles in the morning and 10 miles in the evening do two miles in the morning and three yeah. miles in the evening. Yeah. exactly yeah yeah brilliant right well we're coming into sort of the last five minutes now i've got a few more questions so if we have like 30 second answers if you can to these firstly what shoes were you wearing for the half marathon and do you think the magic shoes are a game changer the magic shoes yes um i think changing results and how much of that is physiological and how much of that is mental i can run faster in these shoes um and so i was running in the nike four percent of the original vaporfly shoes uh -huh. um i subsequently ran my half marathon in ireland in the brooks shoes uh -huh. when i was 
13 seconds off so okay pretty similar and we're seeing so many other brands now bringing out shoes yeah. that are equivalent and all sorts of records being broken so i think the, the playing field's being leveled whether how much is being leveled up is a whole nother question whether but i think i think we are i think there was a jump by nike and now others are leveling it yeah cool any any other things to do with nutrition recovery um thinking outside of actual running that has helped your performance in recent years um so i i am very very lucky that um my girlfriend that i live with we sort of a she has very similar um sort of patterns so she she's a good sleeper um and we have very similar sleeping patterns so we don't go to bed that late um and you know having to go relatively early for the teaching but to getting consistent eight nine plus hours of sleeping um which is, i think is massive i'd probably prefer a little bit more but that's that's pretty good for that's a lot for yeah. teaching and, and what i'm managing um and also just consistent good nutrition um you know i'm very lucky that i'll come home and, and quite often she you know she, she will she will do 90 percent of the uh, of the cooking um, right. during term time I try and make it up during the holidays a little bit um, but you know I'm lucky both in terms of timing of, of, again somebody who's helping me facilitate my time to put into the running but also uh, you know cooking great varied healthy balanced meals Brilliant. which I think you know obviously nutrition and, and sleep recovery is, is the yeah. biggest thing yeah. Um, and I'm almost a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, um, in terms of um, your current fitness levels and looking ahead now, so do you, are you motivated by beating particular people by beating times? What's your What's on your mind the most as you go out for a run later today? <laughs> I I've got I I've, I mean yeah I've got some great for the friendly friendly rivalries yeah. with the, the number of. Uh, of people, uh, Chris Darling being the classic. We've, we've um, yeah, I want to get him on as well. For years, uh, we we both started running at a similar time and, and have, have been improving very similarly. Um, and others, um, Josh Lund, who's, uh-huh. who's moved around a bit, but um, we've been on the same page. Um, I, I, but I'm not. You know, that's not that's not what um, keeps me awake at night or 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 keeps me grinding out the mileage. Um, I, 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 I motivated by the enjoyment and probably my own personal performance yeah so one big target for 2021 assuming we get racing back as normal one big target for 2021 i am hoping to compete in the night of the oh yeah night of the pbs 10,000 yeah 10,000 pbs and um the sort of the ultimate aim which is a relatively lofty one is to try and get into the european cup for that Mm. so they have various gradings for that um, and you have to have run under twenty nine thirty four for that, so that would be a big, big jump for me in terms of taking a chunk off my PB. Which is currently um, what thirty. Thirty nineteen from a year and a half ago. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, right. Well, I'm, we've got two minutes left. I'm going to hand it over to you now. I've I've sort of had some fun at your expense. You can uh, let finish off by anything you want to say. Any messages you want to give out to to people, or just general encouragement to the Cambridge running community. Tell us about what's good about running in Cambridge, or just add anything that I've missed out. I haven't talked about your current coach or anything like that. I know there's some special people there as well, but I don't know if you want to go into that or not. It's totally up to you. But have the have the floor for the last minute and a half. 
say is that um, this is just great fun. And for, for people listening, you know, I think this is, it's these kinds of things that will really build a community um, of, 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 of enjoyment, of feeling togetherness, of competitiveness, of, of feeling as though there's something great going on in Cambridge, which there is already. Um, so I think all I'd like to say is, you know, people who are out there, you know, whether you, you know, if, you, if you're a high level athlete already, you know, you know, contact Ben, I'm sure he, you know, he may not know about you and, and he'd love to interview you, I'm sure. If you well, I'll put you in touch with Jonathan as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, um, you know, I think, I think, you know, obviously Ben's got a match, how many people, you don't want 5,000 people asking to be interviewed, but, and he's got to manage his time, but I think this is something that's, that will really build and hopefully, you know, it'll get people interested that there is a, there's a real special community of, of runners. And, and I think also importantly, I don't know who's going to be listening to this, but there's such a fan, you know, fantastic community uh, all the way through. So you go to Cambridge and Coleridge on a Tuesday evening under normal circumstances, and you have people who are walk running right through to Olympians. You know, yeah. There is such, yeah. such a big base. And, and if we come back to that point of, what, what has made, what has built up Cambridge to be such a fantastic place for endurance running, I guess in particular, which is where I can speak from, it's because there is this open, friendly atmosphere all the way through between youngsters and, I mean, we've got some amazing um, masters athletes um, and and uh, right through the ability level. So, you know, get get involved, whatever your, whatever your level is. Um, it's very much an open um, community. Fantastic. That's a great place to end it. I think it's been a real pleasure talking to you, Jonathan. And uh, we look forward to seeing you smashing it on the streets of Cambridge and well beyond. And hopefully everyone listening will follow your progress. You've literally got 10 seconds. If they want to get in touch with you, they can obviously come through me. But are you on Facebook? Where, where could people get hold of you? Just very quickly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm easily findable on, on Facebook. Probably that's the easiest Okay, way we'll try and put a link in. Fantastic. Thank you, Jonathan. Been a pleasure. Great. Thank you, Ben. Well, I love talking to Jonathan. I think it came across during the interview what a great chap he is, very altruistic, bigging up other people, talking about how well other people had done, uh, much more than about his own great successes. We mentioned his mum, who in her 60s has done some phenomenal running and having looked that up, he's told me that 90.96 was her top age-graded percentage and that is phenomenal. That's something you very rarely see. So thanks again, Jonathan, and great to talk to you. The very best of luck in the future in your running career. I just want to mention as well another person, Ben Blows, who's doing 31 marathons in 31 days, raising money for Tom's Trust. I'm hoping to get him on the podcast very soon, but please do go over to the 31 Stars Facebook page to donate to that very, very worthwhile cause. Okay, so if you enjoyed today's episode and want to find out more, obviously get in touch with Jonathan. Um, You can also... Get in touch with us through our Facebook page. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We've got a YouTube channel. Please do connect. We want to hear the feedback. We want to improve, obviously, and give you what you want. 
In the meantime, Happy New Year and keep enduring. I'm not